Hi, it's Raina here. I just wanted to pop on real quick before this episode to share some very exciting news. I would like you to celebrate with us. Allie Nysis, our co-host, gave birth to her first child, Thea Grace, just last week. They are both doing great. And of course, as a proud grandma, Thea is perfect and just beautiful. We are just so blessed. And we wanted to share that exciting news with you, our listeners. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Welcome to a Season of Caring podcast, where there's hope for living, loving, and caring with no regrets. This is Raina Nysis, your host, with Allie Nysis, your co-host. Today, we're going to discuss more about Carolyn Miller-Parr's interview, as well as her book, Love's Way. I so enjoyed talking to Carolyn. She is just a little spitfire. It's amazing. And her passion for families and helping them be able to talk through just the challenges of caring for aging parents, it just spoke to my heart. I just have a few things I wanted to highlight. So many times we see older people clutching onto their independence. They want that to remain completely intact at the cost of everything else. When their loved one wants safety to be the top priority and at the cost of everything else. And that is the root of most of the difficult conversations that we have. So she goes on to talk about how important it is to have those difficult conversations. And she lays out some tips to consider about how to have a good conversation. First, she says, you have to listen to comprehend, not to argue. Second, try to build confidence, not anxiety. Third, understand that these conversations are a process, not a one-shot event, and they may take multiple sessions over days, if not weeks. Number four, focus on the issue, not the individual. If you're concerned about your parents' safety, focus on that and not their attitude, perceived intractability, or resistance. Number five, if the conversation becomes too emotional, stop take a break, change the subject, don't let the discussion get out of hand. And six, make sure you understand what you want to discuss. If it's about moving to an assisted living residence, have you checked out the location, cost, amenities, and so on? If it's about mom no longer driving, do you know your state's laws regarding driver's licenses for older adults, available public transportation? Number seven, as long as they remain competent, respect your parents' right to control their own destiny, even if you disagree with their decisions. These conversations are difficult, and they can often be inhibited by fear. So keep listening. It's the most important, powerful resource that we have to breach the walls of resistance and silence. Together, families can create a new story, one guided by love and understanding, the path towards a happy ending begins with trying to walk together, even for a short time, in another's shoes. So much wisdom in that. I love every part that she puts in there. I mean, I agree. For us as children, try to protect our parents. I think sometimes we forget that they're adults. They can make their own decisions. They can do things that they want to do, and they should. So just because they can't physically do some things sometimes, or even cognitively doesn't mean that they're bullets or they can't do anything anymore. When you see your parents age and you see them not able to do the things that they used to be able to do, it rocks your world a little bit. And so you have a tendency to come in and kind of become a helicopter parent when you're not the parent. So 
the fact that Carolyn just reminds us that they're an adult. They've been making decisions a really long time, actually longer than you've been alive. They've been making adult decisions. So it's time to let them do that. And just because you don't agree doesn't mean it's not the right decision. Yeah. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that as kids. Like we just want what's best for them. We just want to protect them. We want to build this little bubble to make sure that they don't fall or they make a bad decision or they don't get scammed by some creeper on the telephone. All these scenarios all the time. We just want to make sure that they're safe and they're happy and they're healthy. Again, they're, they're going to make mistakes. We all do. So they might trust the wrong person. They might get taken advantage of a little bit. But as long as you're staying in relationship, you're going to be aware of those things and you're going to be able to really help them negotiate them if that happens. Not take over, not keep them safe, not put them in a little padded room and not let anything happen to them. The truth is we know that we're walking them home. They're not going to be here forever. And that's hard to embrace, but at the same time, it is reality. And most of them, like Carolyn said in her interview, would rather be in their own home doing their own thing than they would be only safe. You may have their best interest at heart, but that being said, you could overstep that boundary really quickly if you lose sight. And I think too, not losing sight of who we're taking care of. The fact that this is our loved one and that they will have certain things and they, they would like certain things too. And just understanding that they are still the parent and that they are capable. I loved her example of reframing when she was talking about the kids wanting the mom to move out of her home and just asking all those questions. What is it that's, that she's really objecting to? Is it she objecting to not being able to find her way or having to leave her friends or knowing where her bank is, just there's so much more involved that sometimes when we come in with just our opinion, then we're losing the ability to, to see the big picture and to really see things outside of our own opinion. And that was another section that I found really interesting in Carolyn's book. She was talking about just dangerous assumptions and how dangerous they are. And oftentimes we have assumptions about things that fall into one of four categories, labeling, fortune telling, mind reading, and shooting. Labeling is just kind of always labeling somebody. That's the way they are. She's always disorganized or she never was very smart. And that label really limits us from being able to be open to anything else because we view everything through that label. Fortune telling is along the same lines as far as just always setting negative goals or always seeing the downside of life. And oftentimes by seeing the negative in the future, then it becomes kind of self-fulfilling prophecy and an excuse to not try or to give up. She said the two most common ways that we function in assumptions come from mind reading though. She said, mind reading is when we presume we know what the other person thinks and we ignore any evidence that might tell us something more positive. We assume we know it and no one can tell us anything otherwise, even the person we're assuming that about. And the last one was shoulding. I think shoulds are one of those things that we all have in our lives and we frequently have self-talk. I should be able to do this or this should happen this way. Shoulds come from being stuck in a pattern of how it's supposed to be based on 
cultural assumptions or our own limited experience or another person's expectations. And they can just lead to a lot of guilt and judging and really inhibiting your ability to create new possibilities. So some great things, again, to consider what label or what assumptions we're viewing things through in those conversations that we're trying to find a win-win for can help us to eliminate those. I think you bring up a great point. I think sometimes we are our own self-fulfilling prophecy. We believe how something should be or will be, and then it ends up being that way. And so then we're like, well, see, told you. And so then we just always assume. So understanding that and identifying those things that you may be doing, even when we're talking about things involving parents and that kind of thing is really hard. One of the things that we've always talked about is that we have to extend grace to one another. We have to understand how people may be feeling or where they may be coming from. That's how you get through this and how you can understand what is the best for not losing sight of what we're actually doing. You know, the focus has always been who we're taking care of and what they would want and how they would want things to be done. Sometimes we lose sight of that. And so... These are great examples of why we lose sight. You know, we label things, mind read, we try to fortune tell. I mean, that those are all things that are going to change. And so you kind of lose track of what mom would want or what dad would want. What is the respectful thing? What is the best option? Well, and just having those assumptions in our mind when we try to communicate, it keeps us from really being able to listen. So if we assume mom isn't able to drive anymore, then we're always looking for examples. And like you said, kind of even rubbing it in their face if they get a ticket or if they have an accident. Well, I told you, you shouldn't be driving, you know, always looking at those negative sides instead of really being able to have that open, honest communication about your concerns and really hearing your parents as well. I think that creating those assumptions and understanding that you have created those assumptions or being able to identify that. I mean, I think we talked, you talked a little bit earlier about the daughters wanting to move somebody away from their home. And so we just assume that they're going to move with no problem. What we don't really look at is that's the only home she's known. That's all she's ever known. Yeah. She knows where the bank is. Yeah. She knows who the neighbors are. Yeah. She knows where the church is, but we just assume that it would be easy to pick up and go when really it's not necessarily the truth. So I think understanding all of that, but also talking to our loved ones about what, what kinds of things and trying not to put our own bias on it or our own thoughts into it. I know that's easier said than done for sure. I know that I do it every day. So just kind of being able to step back and look at what kinds of actions and what kinds of things you've said or done or are doing in those communications and try to break that pattern is going to be the best option for everyone involved. Well, and one of the easiest ways to do that is to ask questions because 
we can ask questions assuming we know the answer, but we can find out so much more if we just ask the questions. So if I'm coming to my parent and saying, I'm really concerned because I think that you're getting to a point that it's not safe for you to be at home alone. So I found these places and I think we should move blah, blah, blah. And we're just like two miles down the path when we just brought it up to them for the first time. It's not going to go over very well. That relationship's going to have conflict and it could get ugly and it could have big repercussions if we don't really listen. Whereas I think coming to that parent and saying, it worries me that you're here by yourself and I don't really know how you're doing and I can't see you every day. There's no way for me to make it over here and check up on you every day. How are you feeling? Do you feel safe? Are you worried about anything? Can I help you with anything? What if we were to bring in help to do this or that? You know, asking those questions so that you can really hear where they are and not just coming in with all the answers. And I think you bring up a great point. Using I statements is a great way to open communication between two parties as well. If you talk about how you feel your own feelings and options and opinions are on a subject, you're going to have a bunch better dialogue. If you would come in, I just don't really feel safe with you out here. And I've looked at all these options for you and we're going to move you next week. That's not a way to handle this. Not in the least bit. You're not going to get anywhere and you're just going to burn bridges. And that's not what we want to do either. So I statements are a great way to help kind of express your feelings, but also do it in a respectful manner. And I think that's true even when you're partnering with a sibling. Caring for a parent when they get to the place where they need help with those decisions or they need help physically, it needs to be a partnership. And that's going to happen when you're looking for the win-win in the partnership. You're looking for the being able to use those I statements to clearly communicate your concerns or your needs so that you can work together and both of you can have what you need to be able to support your parent. I agree. Because like we have talked about this from the beginning, the whole goal is to walk our parents all the way home for that journey. So if you aren't handling things appropriately, even with your siblings during this season, you know, you may get done what you want to get done, but if you don't respect the other people in this relationship as well, including other family members, eventually this journey is going to be over and you're going to have nobody left. And that's not worth it either. I think one of the common things that I find is that no two people are the same, even siblings. They can vary night and day. My brother and I are a prime example. We're not the same person. We don't think the same. We don't process the same. Things that are important to me are not important to him. And that's okay. That's just what makes us unique. But that being said, that can complicate things when we're talking about making decisions about a loved one, especially our parents. So if you can extend some grace and think about how best to make those decisions and what mom and dad would want, and that's what the common denominator is throughout, you're going to do better. But also extending grace and understanding that what's important to me may not be important to him and just letting him have some of that. That's okay. It may not be important to me that my mom gets her hair done every week, but it's important to him. So we're going to do it. That's a small thing that 
isn't a hill to die on by no means. So keep that in mind as well. Definitely. I think, again, it's valuing the relationship over winning and to have that relationship when the whole thing is over, it should be a goal as well. It would break your parents' heart to know that you couldn't get along once they're gone. So definitely finding a way to be able to come together. And again, asking those questions, looking for the win-win in the situation and really being able to understand where the other person's coming from. It can be hard because like you said, you're not the same and there is no one else in this world who thinks exactly like you do. So you can't assume, you can't be a mind reader, you can't do those same things in those relationships as well as the people that you're that are working for you, anyone on your team, whether it be a doctor or a caregiver, just being able to understand that communication is the most important part to be able to avoid the conflict that can leave you in a place where you don't have a relationship once your loved one's gone. I think it's amazing when I think about the fact that Carolyn and Sig were able to sit in mediation and time and time again, listen to families that had so many struggles. And one of the things that she brought up in the interview was also that forgiveness piece, that just because they did something when they were 12 that made you mad, not holding it against your sibling the rest of their life. Sometimes it's hard to not just stay in those old patterns. The baby always does this and the older always did that. And that's what we always do. A lot of years have passed. And usually you're in a place where you're actually not the same person that you were when you lived with your family, when you lived with that sibling, or even when you lived with your parent. So remembering that you've changed and grown and so have they, both your parent and your siblings, allowing there to be forgiveness so that you can extend that grace as you continue the relationship and move on in being the person that you need to be to support your parent or your loved one. So I think you bring up some great points. I agree. Sitting there and doing mediation and trying to hear both sides and trying to figure it out and work all that through would be very difficult, especially when you're talking about longstanding issues that have happened. Well, when you were 14, you did this and I'll never forgive you. It's funny, but those things do happen and they happen a lot. And It's funny how those kinds of things can be the things that change a whole dynamic for a family. And so keeping that in mind as well, the things that you say, the things that you do may be impactful. And it's not that you did them on purpose necessarily, but because of the other person involved, they they may also be doing these things. They may also be labeling and fortune telling and assuming and shitting. That's also a factor. So keep that in mind as well. Just trying to be open-minded and like I said, extending some grace, understanding and love. And that big picture, you've got to keep the big picture. Again, where goal is to walk them all the way home and to remain family that love each other once they're gone. So Just keeping in mind that um, it's going to take grace, it's going to take forgiveness, and it's going to take love to be able to accomplish that ultimate goal. 
Listeners, we hope that today, as we've talked a little bit more about how important that communication is in the family, that you found that helpful. We do have a copy of Carolyn Miller-Parr and Sig Cohen's book, Love's Way. We would love to give that away to you. And so if you would just visit our website at aseasonofcaring.com slash podcast, you can find their podcast. And if you would just will add a comment at the bottom of the page there, then you'll be entered into a drawing to receive this book free. We look forward to your comments and to giving away a copy of Love's Way. I know you're going to find it very interesting to hear the stories of families, the challenges that they had and how mediation helped them work through those things and how you might be able to avoid any of those challenges in your caring season. Again, a Season of Caring podcast is created for the encouragement of family caregivers. If you have medical, financial, or legal questions, please contact your local professional and take heart in your season of caring.